Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Quick Question Podcast. My name is Gabe Ryan, alongside my co-host, Mr. Matthew Shafty and producer Zeke Entia. Hello. What is up? How we doing, Matt? Um, we're, we're doing all right, all of us. I think we're all doing well. We're, we're moving and grooving. We're grinding. We're going through school. Lots yeah. going on in our lives, and yeah. It's a good time to be alive. Zeke, I know you don't have a microphone, but you're doing okay? I'm doing great, yeah. Zeke is doing great, so that's good to hear. We are fresh off of spring break, um, oozing with energy, or lack thereof. Um, <laughs> but thank you guys for joining us today. I believe this is episode 24. I could be wrong. Um, to be honest, I have no idea what episode we're on, but I know we're in the low 20s. Either way, Selection Sunday was a couple days ago. We are going to be in the thick of March Madness here next week, and we are very excited. Brackets are out. Teams are set. Matchups are set. We are very excited for this year's edition of the NCAA tournament. Also this week, NFL free agency just picked up. A lot of big names moving around the NFL, um, some key defensive players, some quarterbacks landing new homes, um, as well as golf is in a pretty good swing, getting ready for the Masters. Baseball's got the World Baseball Classic. Lots going on, but I think we're going to spend most of today's episode talking about the NCAA tournament because that is probably the greatest spectacle in sports every single year. Um, it's at least one of my favorite times of the year. Matt, how, how do you feel about that? I agree. I mean, it's... I, I agree. I love the Stanley Cup, too, but we're going to get okay. to that very fairly soon. So I'm yep. excited. Uh, March, April, great time. You got baseball starting up, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. It's going to be great. It's a beautiful time to be alive. Um, so I think the best way to approach the NCAA tournament bracket, we're just, we're just going to go region by region, um, kind of break down some of the matchups that we think, maybe some of the upset picks, um, Matt and I have devoted most of our lives the past couple of days to listening to college basketball news and predictions, expert picks. At least I have. I've. I think that's literally all I've listened to in the last couple of days. I've so been, I've been keeping up with the free agency moves. Yeah, but yeah. Matt, there's been a lot Matt, of college basketball yeah. too. Matt's Matt's more a football guy on this end, but um, both of us are very excited. We're actually going to the games in Columbus this weekend, so we will see some of these matchups that we'll talk about in a second. But we're going to start um, in the northwest corner of the bracket with the south region. Um, this features Alabama getting the number one overall seed, coming in at 29-5 and five on the year. They were SEC regular season and tournament champions, so well-deserved from Alabama. Some people are speculating that maybe Kansas could have gotten the number one overall seed, um, but they did not win the Big 12 tournament, so I'm sure that had to play some effect into it. Um, but if you look down the list, Charleston is a 12 seed facing San Diego State. Um, Furman playing Virginia is a 13 seed. Creighton, NC State, Baylor, Santa Barbara, Missouri, Utah State, and the two seed Arizona Wildcats facing off against the Princeton Tigers. Matt, any matchups that stand out to you? Potential upset picks? Um, I honestly think, in my opinion, Alabama has a pretty easy road to the Sweet 16 and beyond. Just I would I would agree. Um, so I I guess the the two really intriguing matchups are the 5 and the 12 and the 4 and 13. Mm -hmm. Like you got two defensive teams against two teams that can kill you offensively. Charleston scores a lot of points, it's a lot of threes. Furman does the same thing and then you have San Diego State and Virginia that are just hey, we're going to we're going to hit you with long possessions. We're going to play really good defense. So I, I don't know what's going to happen, obviously. I, I, they're popular upset picks just because of their prowess in offense. But um, you could see a run of 32 matchup potentially between two firepower defenses or firepower offenses. Okay. And it's going to be either the first, first team to 50 wins <laughs> or the first team to 80 or 85 yeah. wins. It's going to be a lot of fun. Alabama, if they do end up playing Furman or – uh, or Charleston in the Sweet 16, that, that'll be another high-scoring game. Uh, but truly, I, I do believe Charleston has 
the seniority, even though this is a very experienced and deep roster for San Diego State, and they are good defensively, the Mountain West has not done well in the tournament recently. And Charleston's experienced, right? They hit a lot of shots. They're athletic. They only have three losses, right? Three or four losses. It's going to be a lot yep. of fun. I think Charleston can get that done. Furman, we'll see. Virginia's a, a very experienced team led by Keith yeah. Clark. Um, we'll just see what happens, obviously. Um, I do want to mention Baylor real quick. Baylor has had a history of losing while being a big seed. Yeah. And UC Santa Barbara is no slouch. No slouch whatsoever. The Gauchos. The Gauchos. Gauchos can shoot it. They have they have pretty good sizes as well. Um, like Matt mentioned, I think the last time I remember Baylor being a three seed, they lost to Georgia State. Mm-hmm. And Hunter, he hit the shot and his dad fell off the stool. Um, <laughs> that was a pretty cool moment. Um, can we quickly run through the high-powered offenses in yeah. this region? Because there are a lot. I mean, I was, I was going to say, especially the bottom half of the south bracket. Yeah. So... You NC got, State, Creighton, Baylor, yeah. like all these teams are elite. You offenses. got Alabama, you got Charleston, you got Furman, you got Creighton, you got Baylor, you got Missouri, you've got Utah State, you've got Arizona. Yeah, all really good offenses. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be really entertaining. Again, can anyone keep up with Bama? Balance or Bama is all about balance, right? They have that great offense. They also have a very good defense. So. I don't know if anyone can beat Bama. A lot of people are saying Arizona could do it. Maybe Virginia, yeah. right? Again, we'll see how it plays out. I like Alabama to come out of this region, personally. I think they've shown yeah. it all year. They won the SEC handily. So Unless anything crazy happened, like if Charleston or, I don't know, Creighton on the other end, Missouri, are just playing at an unreal level. Even Arizona. Like, if they if someone gets hot, I think they could definitely threaten Alabama. But Alabama's proven throughout the season that they're just super adaptable in different situations. They can win games that are tight with their defense. They can score with anybody in the country. Mm-hmm. I think the times they've had some setbacks this year, I think their average score in the, next, the following game is like 90 points, which is insane. They scored 100 against Georgia. They scored like 95 against someone else. So, and they have Brandon Miller on their on their on their bench and on the team. And obviously, with some of the um, legal stuff that's surrounding their program, it's been sort of a distraction for them. And obviously, a lot of things come before basketball, and in a student athlete's perspective, but also for the integrity of the university. But I think for Alabama, they've not ignored the distraction. I think that's the wrong word, but they haven't let that take over how good their season has been from front to from front to back. And I think they're poised for um, a pretty a pretty deep run into March. Um, but if you look like Matt mentioned, Creighton, NC State, Baylor, like these teams could legitimately the final scores of some of these games might be in the high eighties, nineties, and I can't remember an NCAA tournament recently where it's just been so offensively dominated because mm-hmm. there's a lot of programs in this bracket or just in the entire field that are have incredible offenses and their defense is a little suspect. So unless they're not making shots um, or a team is just really getting into them and locking them down, especially from the, the backcourt, I think we could see some pretty high game or pretty high scoring games all across the field yeah there's a lot of pressure on these kids and oh a lot of pressure to win that money too yeah right every game every but they got once you're in the tournament every team that plays that places in the tournament for the men's bracket gets what three hundred forty thousand dollars almost. yeah and And then every game you win every yeah every win is for essentially three hundred fifty thousand dollars which basically for some of these small schools is life-changing money Mm -hmm. school change university changing money um and sometimes the rich get richer, which is just... I mean, Tom Izzo has been at 25 straight. Yeah, which is pretty <laughs> insane. Um, but this is obviously my favorite event of the year. And actually, we forgot about the first four games, which actually start tonight. We're recording this on Tuesday, March 14th. But Texas A&M, Corpus Christi facing off against Southeast Missouri State in the first 16-16 versus 16 matchup. Yep. Uh, Mississippi State plays Pitt right after that for the 11th seed in the Midwest bracket. And then on Wednesday night, Texas Southern and Fairleigh Dickinson are playing for 16th seed to face off against Purdue. 
And then following that, Arizona State plays Nevada for the West region. Um, that will be the 11 seed game as well. So after that, um, anything else with the South bracket? Anything that stands out? I mean, if we want to talk about A&M Corpus Christi a little bit. I mean, they, they were in the first four last year. Okay. They had a disappointing loss, could not hit free throws or save their life. Yeah. But, you know, you get those guys back. You got some senior leadership. Get through maybe Southeast Missouri. Again, SEMO is not a bad team by any means yeah. either. Uh, they got a guy who can light it up from deep, from the logo, really. But, again, we shall see tonight. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. Mississippi State and Pitt, balanced teams, good defenses. Like to get going and transition a little bit, you know. Good teams. I don't think they're world beaters. No. I think they can pull off a win against mm-hmm. Iowa State. And no disrespect, maybe even Xavier, right? Mm-hmm. But they're, I don't know if they're world beaters, really. Yeah, I mean, it's two solid teams. Um, Jeff Capel, coach of Pittsburgh, who used to be Coach uh, Coach K's head assistant, he took over the pit job. He's had a rough couple years, but I think this season really helped his cause um, or made his case for staying the coach of the Pittsburgh Panthers. Um, they're they're a dangerous team. I mean, they played in the ACC. They've had their moments this year. Same thing with Mississippi State. Um, and then on the other side with Texas Southern, Fairleigh Dickinson. To be honest, Texas Southern comes in at 14-20 and 20 on the year, made a run in their conference tournament to qualify which great for them. So records at this point really don't matter. It's just who's hot, who can mm-hmm. make the plays down the stretch to win. Yep. Um, so they will face off against Fairleigh Dickinson. Like I said before, that um, that winner will face Purdue, who is the fourth number one seed. Um, and then Arizona State, Nevada, some speculation on whether or not Nevada should have qualified. Yeah. Um, I mean, some teams. And Arizona State too. Yeah, but. Arizona State too. I mean, the the kid that hit the half court shot to beat Arizona in Tucson, um, I think that is the shot that yeah, got that them to in. the tournament, which yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but moving on from the South bracket, we'll we'll go right underneath that to the East. Number one seed Purdue, who will face Texas Southern or Fairleigh Dickinson, Memphis and Florida Atlantic, Duke Oral Roberts. Tennessee, Louisiana, Kentucky, Providence, Kansas State, Montana State, Mo- or Michigan State, USC, and then the final two-seed Marquette against the 15-seed Vermont Catamounts. Um, some interesting matchups here, especially the, the 5-12 matchup, I think, for all of these regions is something to keep an eye on. Duke is really hot right now. They won the ACC tournament. Um, Oral Roberts, though, is a team, Matt, that you've talked about for the last few weeks as being a very dangerous team when it comes to March. Yeah. They've um, won 17 in a row. They yeah. were 18-0 in conference play. The teams they lost to, good opponents, Houston. Yeah. Right? They were not playing their best basketball by any means. Max A. Smith was not shooting the three well. Right? Even Connor Vanover was not doing his best down low. But, you know, once this team found its stride and started beating good opponents – or really just conference opponents, maybe not mm-hmm. the most quality opponents in the world, but you know what? Nonetheless, they're decent, right? And now they have a tough Duke Blue Devils team. Yeah. And I I know Oral Roberts was everyone's favorite upset pick before they got yeah. paired with Duke. That's that's gonna be a really tough matchup. Now like if they were paired with a different five seed, right? I don't know. And basic maybe not Miami, but the other five seeds. I can't really remember who they are right now. But like like uh San Diego State. A lot of people would have picked Oral Roberts against Or St. Mary's. Yes. A lot of people would pick Oral Roberts over St. Mary's yeah. too. Um but the Duke Oral Roberts matchup is pretty interesting. Memphis, Florida, Atlantic at eight and nine. That's the best eight nine game, I think. Yeah. I mean the Arkansas Illinois game in the West bracket, I think those are two teams that have enough talent to be way higher seeds. They just didn't play that well oh. during the year. They weren't deserving of a higher seed, but talent-wise. These two were deserving of a higher seed, I think. I mean, you're not going to give it to them because no, they no. are mid-majors. But these two teams have yeah. beaten solid opponents and took care of conference play. Yeah, Memphis, Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic 31-3 and on the season, which is pretty impressive. Uh, Memphis just beat Houston in the American Athletic Conference Championship. Yep. Now, albeit um, 
Marcus Houston Sasser. was without Marcus yeah. Sasser, and they only played seven players during that game. So I think they ran into the situation that a couple other teams in different conferences ran into, which is just fatigue playing that many games in X number of days. Um, but Memphis is hot right now, and if they're defending at the level that they have been defending at, they could be a very tough out. And to be honest, Purdue could be in trouble in the second round. Whoever they get, Purdue's going to be in yeah. trouble. And and I know FAU really in their in their rotation, like what's going to be their postseason rotation. They only have two or three guys that are six four and above. They yeah. don't have height. They do have a center that is seven one, right? So he is tall. He's from Russia, so <laughs> give him that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's going to be a dog down low. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Good team. They're solid. They're a solid team. Great analysis. Yeah, um, they're very athletic. <laughs> even though they they are a little smaller, they are very athletic. They get going in transition. They hit a lot of threes. Um, defense is going to be a question mark against a team like Purdue. Yeah, but and even a team like Memphis. But I'm very excited to see these two teams play in Columbus. Yeah, and then moving. I mean, another pretty popular upset pick at least of our friends, is Louisiana over Tennessee. The Raging Cajuns, um, a very good team. Um, Tennessee just lost their point guard for the year. forget his name. Um, um, what's his uh, It's Ziegler, right? Yeah, Ziegler. They just lost Ziegler for the year. Um, haven't really looked the same since. They struggled a little bit in the SEC tournament. Um, now, I know... Louisiana isn't maybe an SEC caliber team, but they are dangerous. They can shoot the ball really well. Um, that could be a game to keep an eye on. Kentucky Providence at the six and eleven game. Um, for Providence, this is the Bryce Hopkins revenge game against UK. He transferred from the Wildcats last season after not being put in the lineup most games. Uh, very talented guard was on the first team All Big East this year. Um, played really well for Providence. Definitely their best player. Kentucky's been Kentucky's been on a roller coaster this year. Um, I heard someone say that they were talking to a Kentucky fan, um, just out at a restaurant, and Kentucky fan throughout the season has fired and rehired John Calipari <laughs> like eighteen times this year. That's yep. just the nature of UK fans. Um, but they've they've had an up and down season. Shavir Wheeler is out. Um, for the Wildcats, which is huge from guard perspective, but Casey Wallace is still there. He's been playing really well. Kentucky is very athletic. They're very long, um, very good athletes, especially around the rim. Sheblay's still there, reigning National Player of the Year. So the, the Cats are definitely dangerous. I think there's a lot of pressure on them, obviously, to win this game. In the event that they do not win this game, Kentucky fans are, man, I'm – I'd be kind of scared at that reaction, um, especially for Cal. I think that's – I don't think his job's in jeopardy or anything, but UK hasn't advanced in the tournament since 2019. So that's almost four years uh, missing the tournament. Obviously, last year losing to St. Peter's, and then there was no tournament in 2020. But it's been four years since the Wildcats have won a game. Yeah. And for a Blue Blood program, that's not what you want to see. Michigan State, USC – Matt, I, I'm sure you'll get to this we'll later. We'll get to it later. But um, it's two very similar teams. Um, yeah, they're t they're two teams that have good guards, guys that can score, guys that can light it up from deep. The question mark that I have with both these teams, you have two centers that can block shots, but um, USC is not a very defensive minded team. They're not a great defense. Michigan State is inconsistent on defense. Both the teams have shown at times to turn the ball over a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They they, they got to clean it up. Both these teams really got to clean it up, but we'll get to that later. Okay. And then Marquette versus Vermont. This is the game that Matt really wants an upset for the 15-2. I, I would love, to see, I would love to see the Catamounts beat Marquette as well. I think Obviously, the Catamounts. saying that as a Xavier fan, so you can take like, that with a grain of salt. You, you can say Marquette, oh, big Big favorite in this matchup. Vegas is saying that you know what? What's the spread? I don't know. I, whatever. Probably double digits. Yeah. But Vermont's a very experienced team. They've made the tournament before. They made the tournament last year. 
with basically the same group. Yes, is it as talented? Maybe not, right? They lost their star player last year, but they've come together. This team has shown leadership. They're very good on offense. They, they're they not so great on defense, right? They I mean, if you look at the stats, it says they only give up, what, 65 or 66 points per game, but it is against weaker competition, and when you see them against good competition, it's not so great. Either way, if Marquette's not hitting its threes, they're not very good. They're not very good. And Vermont is a is a team that has great ball movement. They limit turnovers, and they hit a lot of threes. Yeah. They hit a lot of threes. I mean, if we've learned anything, they got the, the recipe. The three point the three pointer is the great equalizer in college basketball. You don't have to be the most talented team. You don't have to be the biggest team in the world. But if you can shoot the three at a very high clip and you can put them in, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the separator. That's why Steph Curry is Steph Curry. He's got the great equalizer of the three pointer. I mean, um, if he had to play like I don't want to say traditional basketball, but if he played in a different era, um, under circum- certain circumstances, I don't think his style of play would be celebrated as it is today. And for the most part, he's kind of allowed a lot of people in basketball at all different levels to kind of change the way they approach offense, approach the game, which has really opened things up for um, some mid-major schools in the tournament. Yep. Um, so I think Purdue is going to have a tough time advancing far far in the tournament they played really well in the big 10 tournament they, they obviously have the unicorn and zach Eady, who's seven four i don't know how many smaller teams in this country are gonna have a guy that matches up with seven four and the answer is no one but um purdue has freshman guards they've been inconsistent at times this year fletcher lawyer and Braden um smith they played really well in the big 10 tournament i think they're playing with some confidence but at the same time those th- those two things can be exploited. I'm looking at the Memphis, Florida, Atlantic thing. I think they could really, really exploit Purdue. And then if Purdue makes it further, I think Duke's really hot right now. Even though they're freshmen, they're playing really, really well on the defensive end. Yeah. And then they're spreading the floor on the offensive end. But moving on. My, the- my issue with yeah. if a matchup comes up between Duke and Purdue, which, again, they got to get through yeah. Memphis. They got to get through or FAU, right? Which Pur- Either way, that's going to be a tough game. Duke and Purdue earlier in the year wasn't close. No. Just wasn't even close. And I get Duke is playing better. So is Purdue. Purdue is playing better than they were that time. Mm-hmm. Zach Eady, even from the beginning of this season, has lo- looks completely different. He does. He is just such He's such a good player. People just say it's just his height. I used to say that. No. It's not just his height anymore. It used to be just his height. Yeah. He can finish with both hands. He's good at the free throw line. Right? Again, if he forms a jump shot, that would be huge for his game. But in college basketball, he doesn't need that. He'll bury opponents, right? Yeah. If they can get through the first two rounds, if their guards can play solid defense against Jeremy Roach and uh, Derek Whitehead, I there's there's something in me. I yeah. don't think they can guard Zach Eady. I don't think Derek Lively. I don't think Filipowski. They couldn't guard him when he was weaker in the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. and now he's better. I still don't think they can guard him. Yeah. I think the only advantage Filipowski has against Edie is that he can space the floor. He can shoot the three. He plays more like a guard. Like, obviously, he plays inside as well, but he can stretch the floor a little bit, which if you have Edie running out, especially on defense away from the rim, mm-hmm. that's probably not a recipe for success. I, um, I think but I, I don't, plan. I yeah. think if they if they play. I'm just saying, I, like, if Duke finds a way to get Edie out of position, yeah, they have enough athletes to make things happen. Um Anyways, moving on to the Midwest bracket, Houston comes in at the one seed playing Northern Kentucky. Go Norse. Um, Iowa-Auburn in the 8-9 game. Miami-Drake in the 5-12. Indiana's facing off against Kent State in the 4-13 game. Um, Iowa State, Mississippi State, or Pitt in the 6-11. Xavier at the three seed playing Kennesaw State at the 14. Texas A&M facing off against Penn State, 7-10, which is a very good matchup mm-hmm. um texas at the two play playing colgate at the 15 seed to round out the midwest bracket this is i think one of the more difficult brackets from top to bottom um i think obviously houston's a very talented team set to make a huge run final four is in houston um so i think there's something they want to get to their home city yep. play for the final four um 
Auburn and Iowa are very streaky teams. Iowa could get incredibly hot from three, and it doesn't matter how bad they are on defense. Auburn's kind of the same way, but the opposite style of play. What I see with Iowa, like kind of kind of similar to what I see with Michigan State, is this team no lead is safe. still hasn't put it together. Yeah. When they are playing their best, they're they are tough to beat. They can overcome right? a lot. They're if they hit a bunch of threes, like they'll beat Houston. Mm-hmm. They they are, they can do it. Yo, I I think even I know Auburn doesn't score that well, but defensively, mm-hmm. if they take everyone out of the game for Houston and just makes Marcus Sasser beat them, yeah, I think he they could be exploited there. Um, I I don't see it happening, but um. There, there are some threats. All the one seeds have some legitimate threats. The only one that I think that it's pretty safe is Alabama. Yeah, I, I don't really see Maryland or West Virginia giving them too much of a game. Yeah, I, I, I want one more thing I want to mention about Iowa before we move on to a different school is like, if you think Iowa basketball, you don't necessarily think defense. This Iowa team has stepped up defensively. Mm-hmm. There are some games again they gave up 101 regulation to Michigan State, but. When they beat Indiana in in Bloomington, played they played pretty sound defense. There, yeah, right. They have they have their moments. It's just ups and downs, and if they can put it together, if they can put it together, they will be tough to beat. Yeah, they will make a run. They'll be tough to beat. I think Miami is one of my favorite teams in the country. They're a little undersized. Yeah, but their guards are great. They can score well. They're led by Isaiah Wong. They've got great leadership, great seniority, good coach. Everything you can ask for in a team that needs to make a run, except they're probably going to have to face you know, Houston in the Sweet 16, yeah. which is a tough, which is a tough, tough matchup for that team just because Houston can, can give them fits all over the floor. They're a better defense than Miami is. You know, they can get down low where Miami can't guard. That's, that's going to be a little bit of an issue for Miami if they play each other. But if Miami can spread them out, it might be an, a very interesting matchup. Um, Indiana-Kent State is super I, interesting. I think, so, of the 5-12-4-13 matchups, I think this is very similar to the South, how you could see a Furman-College of Charleston matchup in yeah. the round or this round of 32 or whatever. I think you could legitimately see Kent State versus Drake. I think Miami's playing too well that that's not going to happen. But Kent State over Indiana is a very good possibility. The Racers are playing incredible basketball right now. Um, Are they? Wait, I don't think that's their mascot. Anyways. Who? I I think I said Kent State Racers, but that's Murray State Racers. No, that's Murray State. It's the Golden Eagles. Golden Eagles. Kent State Golden Eagles. My apologies to the Golden Eagles fans out there. Um, But they they can beat Indiana. Is that right? No, no, that's wrong, too. That's wrong, too. I think it's the Flashes. Let me check. Yeah, is it I, the fla- I, I am. Wow. I was, is- yeah, it is the flashes. It is the flashes. Kent State flashes. Can't, yeah. Kent yeah. State. That's on me. I was thinking Marquette there. Well, that's partially that, on The team that's well. going to lose to Vermont, right? <laughs> it is the flashes, yeah. It, it was the flashes. That's on me. Way to make them feel better, Zeke. <laughs> um, anyways, Indiana is another team. They are very, very, very talented. Hood Shafina. Uh, Trey Jackson Davis, really good one-two punch from a guard forward perspective. But the rest of their team is just so up and down, so inconsistent. Indiana's capable of making a deep run, but they're also capable of losing to teams that they should not lose to. Um, I think Kent State's playing really well. They came out of the MAC. They pretty much dominated. Um, Akron was a pretty good team in the MAC as well. Um, Toledo. Toledo, yeah, Toledo, Akron. And Akron, yeah, but, um, but this this is a legitimate upset opportunity. I think Kent State, Indiana will be a very very close game. Um, it'll be close. Yeah, but it's gonna come down to can someone put a body in Trace Jackson Davis, mm-hmm. right? And again, when you double team Davis, can you rotate and try to force a turnover? Yeah. Um. That it's 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 a really interesting matchup because because when you look at Kent State, you look at the, the the player stats and team stats, no one blows you away. Nothing really blows you away, yeah. except when you look at the games they've played. They don't take many losses. Number one and number two, they've played close to really good teams, right? Yep. They played Houston, right? Mm-hmm. They played Gonzaga. 
both at the, the in Houston and Gonzaga, and they lost by single digits. Yeah, like I very mean. close games. Kent State has has the ability to do it. They've got the leadership to do it. I keep bringing up leadership because it's so important in March. It is huge. Right? Having those seniors and juniors in the starting lineup is so important. And again, when you're play when you're playing against an Indiana team that has Trace Jackson Davis, but some underclassmen, how can you exploit that? Right? You take away, you exploit that by even though they've they've had a good season, Indiana has exploit it by going after those young guys. Right? Yeah. And trying to force turnovers off of Trace Jackson Davis. For sure. Who is an inconsistent passer. He's gotten better at passing, still inconsistent, though. Yeah. Um, anyway. And then moving to the bottom half of the bracket, Iowa State is going to play the winner of either Mississippi State or Pitt. Iowa State, they started out really, really hot. Um, they made a run in the PK-85. I'm pretty sure they won. Did they win their side of the no, – no, they lost to North Carolina. Anyways, what? Iowa State. That wasn't the final Alabama and UConn, or was it the semifinal? There were two. Uh, oh, was it? Was that your side? It might have been our side. Okay. I forget what it was. Indiana had or oh yeah, not Indiana. no, it was your Iowa side. State was playing really well at the beginning of the year. They went through some troubles mm-hmm. um, towards the middle part of the year. Big Twelve was a beast this year to say the least, um, but they've been playing well recently. They beat Baylor in the Big 12 tournament, which was a big confidence booster for them. Um, Mississippi State Pitt, two dangerous teams. I think if you try to sleep on them, don't give them their due. They can they can wake up and make a lot of threes. Mm-hmm. They can play well enough on the defensive end to get it done. I think that's a very intriguing matchup. All the 6-11 games are pretty, just like you would expect, are going to be pretty close. Um, Xavier Kennesaw State. Xavier checks in at the three, which I am shocked that they got a three. Um, but Xavier made it to the finals of the Big East tournament. They got smoked by Marquette. Um, but Kennesaw State, their first ever NCAA tournament appearance, which is awesome for them. Yep. Um, they they have a pretty strong team. They're nothing – they shoot the ball really well, defend at a very high level, especially their guards. They're not the biggest team in the world, which I know Xavier's losing – Zach Fremantle for the rest of the year, but I think Xavier across the board has enough height to, to cause some problems for Kennesaw State down low. But that could be a good game. That could be upset watch. They got a point guard by the name of Chris Youngblood. Yeah, that's such a cool name. It is. He such a cool. He's name. a very good player. Yes, gonna be a lot of fun to watch. If Xavier, if the depth becomes an issue, yeah, then Kennesaw State is going to hang around for a very yeah. long time in this game. And I think either way, Kennesaw State will hang around, hang around, hang around. It's just whether or not Xavier can close out this game. Yeah. I think that's what it's going to come down I to. I think Xavier's looking for a bounce-back game from Sule Boom, mm-hmm. Colby Jones. They kind of ran out of gas towards the end of the Big East tournament, which was a little concerning, obviously. But I think with a week to prepare everything that's on the line, they'll be okay. But I'll get into that later. Texas A&M versus Penn State. Um, This is probably head-to-head one of the best matchups in the first round. Um, Penn State made it to the finals against Purdue, only lost by two points in the Big Ten championship game. Texas A&M came in second in the SEC in the regular season as well as the SEC tournament. Um, Some people think that they should have gotten a much higher seed. Um, they only lost three games in the regular season and the SEC. Um, but I think head-to-head, this is a very, very good matchup. Any thoughts on this, Matt? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, Penn State just made a run. Yeah. They just made a run in the Big Ten tournament. And so did Texas A&M for their own right. Just made a run in the SEC tournament. It's two teams that are extremely solid, and they're playing their best basketball at the right time. I, it's gonna be such a good matchup. Yeah, it's so hard to pick a winner. Like it's it's gonna be so difficult. I love Penn State. I've I've liked them a lot all season, but especially now, they've beaten good teams. They beat Northwestern. They beat Indiana. You know, and then they played down to the final second against Purdue. Like this is a team that again. Led by senior leadership, they do have freshman Andrew Funk, right? And when he gets going from outside, they are tough to beat. It's a good thing, They too. are so tough to beat. Yeah. 
if if Andrew Funk can get funky, <laughs> it's gonna be really difficult for. I was waiting for somebody for Texas to, do A&M it. to stay alive. And um, yeah. <laughs> We've seen it all season for AM. When they play against good teams that can shoot the three at a very high clip, it's tough for them to match. Yeah. Right? And I don't really know why. Texas AM is not a bad three point shooting team by any means, but it's like they get down in the dumps or something. I don't really know. But again, Penn State, if they can get going from three, um, they're going to be yeah. tough to beat. Uh, Texas Colgate, another team that can really light it up from deep is Colgate. Yeah, a team that one cannot is Texas. That's true. Um, Texas, like everyone, is very high on Texas, which obviously understandably Given. so. Yeah, they beat, they won the Big Twelve tournament, which was huge. They killed Kansas. They won by twenty points. Um, Colgate is one of the old. I think they're the oldest team in the tournament. Their yep. average age of their starting lineup is older than the average starting lineup of the Oklahoma City Thunder, <laughs> which is pretty wild. Yeah. Um, Colgate can light it up. They can shoot threes at a high clip. Like Matt mentioned before, Penn, or Texas is only shooting around 32% as a team from three, Yeah. which want, is not great. You want to talk about a team with senior leadership, doesn't turn the ball over, yeah. plays good-ish defense, right, yeah. and can hit the three. Texas is Colgate's essentially playing team. a team of grown men, yeah. like pickup basketball league. Mm. But now Texas or not yeah Texas is much more athletic than yes, Colgate oh, much sure. more. If they they're playing really handle well. Texas in transition, it's going to be over real quick. Yeah. But if Colgate can play a half court game, yeah. If they can hit threes, Colgate has absolutely they have more than a chance, more than a chance in my opinion. Again, they Texas has to be shooting really bad, and yeah. Colgate's going to have to get out fast to allow Texas to shoot threes. Yeah. But I, I think. Texas is probably set to make a pretty deep run. Yeah. Um, if if Colgate can take Texas out of their rhythm, out of their own game, yeah. Colgate has a chance. If they can't do that, yeah, not it, no chance. My bracket, I actually have Texas coming out of the Midwest. I have them beating Houston in the Elite Eight. Um, in the East, I forgot to mention, I had Duke coming out of the the East bracket. I just think they're playing really well. Um, and if they get some help from Memphis or Florida Atlantic knocking off Purdue, that would help them greatly. Yep. Um, but uh, any – trying to think. Oh, um, as far as 1 versus 16 seeds go, I might sound crazy, and this might be partially biased due to where I am from, but I think Northern Kentucky out of the 16 seeds has the best chance of beating a 1, knocking off of Houston. Houston – beat UC in the semifinals of the AAC tournament. Um, Northern Kentucky beat UC by double digits. So because you're never supposed to compare scores of two different teams or wherever. But I think Northern Kentucky could give a legitimate shot at Houston if they played out of their mind and Houston played like garbage. Mm -hmm. So um, it might happen. Yeah, that one one kid – that you love. Marquise Warwick. Gonna have to hit a lot of threes, Marquise yeah. Warwick. Marquise Warwick, oh, Sam Vincent also. Um yeah. very good point guard. Anyways, moving on to the last to the last um region. We have the West region headlined by Kansas at the one seed, Howard at the sixteen seed, first tournament appearance in thirty years. Yep. Um Arkansas, Illinois in the eight nine game, St. Mary's VCU in the five twelve. UConn, Iona, and the 413, which I'm very excited to talk about that. Um, 611 is TCU versus either Arizona State or Nevada. Gonzaga's at the 3C playing Grand Canyon University. Northwestern at the 7 playing Boise State from the Mountain West. And then the two-seeded UCLA Bruins facing off against UNC Asheville um, in the last matchup in the West region. Mm-hmm. Um well, good for good. Uh, give props to Howard again. First, oh, which huge said, props first to First time in thirty years, school of between ten and eleven thousand yeah. HBCU. It's really good to see them in the tournament. Yeah, great job to Howard, but they have to play a really difficult opponent in Kansas. Anything can happen. Any yeah. anything can happen. I mean, any anything can happen. This is the right matchup for Kansas. Oh, for sure. This is the right matchup for them. Um, I to be honest. In my opinion, I think Kansas got screwed 
with the one seed because they are the third one seed. Mm-hmm. And by comparison, if you want to talk about strength of schedule, quad one wins, all that stuff, Kansas has like a million more than Houston. Mostly because Houston, they, they played a really good non-conference schedule, but in conference season, Houston plays nobody until the NCAA tournament. Right. And Kansas is playing. They played Kentucky during their conference season. They played a bunch of Big 12 schools that are pretty high-seeded. Baylor, Iowa State, um, Kansas State, Texas. Uh, the list there's, goes there's, on Yeah, on. there's eight Big 12 teams. Yeah, I mean, bunches of tons of opportunities to pick them off. Obviously, they have a few more losses than Houston does, but I think Kansas should have been the number two one seed. Um and them being in the West bracket, they are not able to play in Kansas City in the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight, which instead they have to go to Las Vegas, which is a little bit of a disadvantage, kind of playing into the hands of the West West Coast teams. But either way, Kansas, Howard, I think Kansas obviously runs away with that. Yeah. Arkansas, Illinois, again, two streaky teams, um, very talented teams. I think Arkansas... Um, from a guard perspective, just has some really, really good guards, um, very talented players, but we'll see if they can play together. Eric Musselman lives from March. They can make some noise. St. Mary's VCU, um, the Gales versus Virginia Commonwealth. This is one of my upset picks. I think VCU is going to beat St. Mary's. They're playing really well. Defend at a super high level. They got some big guards too. Yeah, and there's like the guards on VCU don't have or on on St. Mary's don't have size. They're no. they're you know they have senior. It's it's like they got young guys and old guys. Yeah, right? they that's that's who they are. It, it's an identity that they've created. One of their like their freshman guard who's played really well. I'm forgetting his name. Um, I f- I forgot his name. I I did. But point guard, I think he's number ten. He's played extremely well for them. He's got a headband and everything. Yeah. Um. He's he's done really. Um, it's Mulaney, I think. Mulaney. Aiden, Aiden. Aiden Mahaney. Uh, Mahaney. Yes. Yes. Yeah, he's Mahaney. made a name for himself. Yes. He's done really well out of out of the, out of that region of the country. <laughs> yep. And um, then playing against Gonzaga and all them, right? Yeah. Good teams. Um. But you know, again, he's made a name for himself. He's done well. Um. They they got seniors stuff like that. It's. It, but the the biggest issue for me is when they play against teams that lock them down defensively. Even BYU, like, and I was I was watching that game on the plane, and and I'm on my way down to Phoenix. Um, BYU was down big. They were down by like 27 points. <laughs> it was bad. And then BYU stepped up defensively, shut them down, got the game to within four. Um, St. Wow. Mary's ended up winning. Then they got smoked and a lockdown again defensively by Gonzaga, but they yeah. got killed. Um, that might be again. They they played one really good half of basketball, then they played three halves of basketball that weren't good at all. So this team is coming in sluggish, and if VCU can take advantage of that, yeah, I, I, they're not a formidable three point shooting op- opponent to St. Mary's, but if they can bring in with their size and their athleticism and their defense, they have an opportunity. That's what I'll leave it at. There are games where they shoot the th- the three very well, but it's inconsistent, extremely inconsistent. Yep. Um, next matchup is UConn versus Iona, which, from a coaching personality perspective, this is going to be incredible. Um, Jeff Goodman of the Field of 68 said the, the referees in this game should be paid double for what they're going to have to deal with on the sidelines between Patino and Dan Hurley. Um, some fireworks may be set to go off. Um, in Buffalo, New York. Yes, for sure. Um, UConn. Obviously a very, very talented team um, in the top 10 in the country for most of the season. Very, Just a really good team top to bottom. Um, Iona, coached by the legendary Rick Pitino. Um, he has Iona playing really, really well. Um, they, have some, they have some really good guards who can go up with anyone in the country. Oh, yeah. UConn's um, point guard depth is the most concerning part of their team. Jordan Hawkins isn't really a point guard by any means. He's more of a shooting guard. Um, Andre Jackson doesn't really handle the ball that much. Nope. Um, Newton is their best bet at point guard, and he's streaky at times. Uh-huh. And then um, down low, I think UConn has an advantage with Adama Sanogo. 
they get a lot of offensive and defensive rebounds, which is huge yeah. for them in in their matchup against Iona. Iona doesn't have the most size in the world. Yeah. They have very good guard play. But yeah, I just don't think if it comes down to a close game, I don't know if I trust Danny Hurley versus Iona. If you watch some of right. their games down the stretch against good Big East teams, UConn has not been able to pull some of these wins off. Um, if games, if the officiating is suspect by any means, I'd be very concerned because Danny Hurley is known to have a shorter fuse than most. Um, I, it is. I it, think he's gonna con- gonna be able to control it. But for UConn, this is kind of a must-win game for them. He yep. has not won an NCAA tournament game for UConn since he's been there, and he's had some pretty talented teams. Um, it just hasn't been hasn't been able to get it done. Uh, so I think there's a lot of pressure on him, especially with the fan base that is in stores, Connecticut. Um, but man, I I think this is this is one of my favorite matchups, just from a personality standpoint. The question to me is: Is this game Danny Hurley versus Rick Pitino? Yeah. Or, or is, is it Iona versus, versus UConn? Yeah. Because if it's true. Iona versus UConn, it's not going to be close. Yeah. UConn's going to smoke them. But if Rick Pitino can coach this team well. And obviously they can match and play well. Yeah, I mean they have an opportunity. Yeah, X's and O's wise, uh, Rick Pitino is one of the best ever. Um, he's yeah, still currently one of the best. Yeah, oh for you, sure. You've seen what he's done at Iona, where again this is not a school that's really known for basketball, and he turns like let's see, in his first year or second year, I can't one of the two, he made the NCAA tournament. They lost to Alabama, and then the next regular season. I think that was during – so that was um, – I think the COVID year was his first year there. Or uh, maybe, maybe. I think the COVID year yeah. was his first year there, and they lost to Alabama in the tournament. Then in the next regular season, they got revenge and beat Alabama, right? So it's a team that's taking strides. It's taking step yeah. by step by step, and it's improved. I don't think Rick Pitino is there to stay. I think if he wins this game, he is out. Yep. He's going to the Big East. He's going to St. John's. But um, either way, he's built something at Iona, and those players can't forget that. Yep. I don't know if the program, how the program would react to losing Rick Pitino, but something you won't forget. Yeah, Coaching carousel is definitely in full effect right now. That may be something we touch in later episodes or maybe even after the tournament. Um, some big names going to some pretty big jobs around the country. Moving on to the last couple matchups, TCU is playing really well. Um, as Clark Kellogg put it, uh, the Texas Froghorns, um, <laughs> which that's just tough. That's yeah. a tough look. The Texas Froghorns. Yeah. Um, Jeez. Arizona State, Nevada, I don't really see either of them advancing beyond um, probably the weakest part of the field in my opinion yeah tcu is a really good six seed so it's gonna be really tough gonzaga grand canyon gonzaga's playing really well i think because they've lost five games this year but for gonzaga that's like losing 15 um drew timmy i think if this is his last go around which will be which it will be his last go around um all-time points leader in gonzaga basketball history which is pretty cool yep um I think he's out for revenge. They're playing at a pretty high level right now. Um, I see Gonzaga winning there. Northwestern, Boise State, Mountain West, like Matt said before, hasn't done well. Northwestern with Boo Booey might be too much for Boise. It just might be too fast for Boise yeah. State. It just might be too fast. Boo Booey might be too fast. Chase Audige might be too fast. Boo Booey also. But if Boise State can play a half-court game. He's on the All-American list for names in college basketball. I love that name. Boo booey. Oh my gosh. Anyways, UCLA, um, as the two seed, they're without Jalen Clark for the rest of the year, which is a huge loss for UCLA. Um, Bona has been banged up a little bit, one of their big men. I think the leadership and the defensive prowess of UCLA carries them pretty far. Um Hami Hawkes is still there and he is a problem. UCLA was in the final four two seasons ago. Um, Matt, any thoughts on UCLA? So the loss to Jalen Clark does affect them because he is a very good individual defender. This team, though, is all about team defense. You've seen it in years prior, years past, where they had uh, Jaime Jaquez and um, 
who was it? The the other shooter. <laughs> I don't remember. The taller his name. guy with the curly hair. I think the biggest, in name. my opinion, the biggest loss for them is his 14 points a game. Yeah, it, it is a big loss, but at the same time, they have Tiger Campbell, they yeah. have Jaime Jaquez, they have Amarley Bailey. As you said, they they have Bona coming back. There there are there is a way to get around it, right? There is a way to get around it. You. They, they've gone on, what, a 14-game win streak and a 12-game win streak this season. You can't forget that. Even while losing a very good player, this is still a team that is built to make the Final Four. This is still a team that is built to beat really good teams. I I would make an argument, and I need to stand by it, for UCLA to make a championship run. They Even though, again, you're missing one of your best players, fine. This is still a team that, that is led. By good lead, it bet led by Jaime Jaquez, led by Tiger Campbell, led by good guard play. Bigs can play defense; they can also score. It's a well balanced team. Yeah. Even without the service of the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. And his 14 points per game. UCLA can still get it done. It's not an easy road. They have a very tough road ahead of them. Right. Boise State or Northwestern could give them fits. Um, even Gonzaga, if Gonzaga gets out of their spot can give them fits or TCU even TCU with their their forwards that are so athletic and long and quick and can shoot the three ball and then up top obviously you you have Kansas Kansas would be tough for them but even then I do believe UCLA can get out of this group just based on how well they've played this season and they've always they've been teetering between that one and two the loss of Jalen Clark the loss to Arizona solidified their two spot but I believe in this team. I yeah. really do. And as much as it pains me to say this, they have a very good coach. Oh yeah. Um, I hate that. Oh, it just felt awful to say that, but they do. Um, I have Kansas coming out of the West to make it to the Final Four. I still think they're one of the most solid teams in America right now. Obviously, we're not really sure about Bill Self's health. Right now, which I think is a huge factor in Kansas's run in the tournament, but I I would expect him to be back at some point. Um, I just I I think Kansas, Gonzaga, or UCLA are probably the three culprits that are going to come out of the West. I have Duke winning the national championship, which is a little controversial. Yep, Matt, who do you have winning? So I at the beginning of the season, if you remember, I said Kansas would win it. I also said Houston would be my dark horse. I don't have either of those teams winning it. Yep. I have UCLA. Okay. I believe they can play the best team defense in the entire nation. Yeah. And that's what's going to get them there. Okay. Well, you heard it there. Um, well, that was a lot of college basketball, so thanks for hanging with us. Um, Matt, do you want to talk a little bit about yeah, NFL so free agency? Yeah, so my phone blew up. While we were talking about this stuff, I, I stopped talking for about a couple, like a couple minutes just yep. because I was looking at my phone. Stephon Gilmore just got traded to the Cowboys. Huge deal. And just, oh, wow, even better, seven minutes ago, seven minutes ago, all-pro corner James Bradbury is returning with the Eagles on a three-year deal. Dang. Yeah, so first Stephon Gilmore and now James Bradbury, two big-time cornerbacks one and they're and they're both going to the NFC East. Look at that. I'm not sure what the Cowboys gave up to get them. The Cowboys are, are uh, in a bit of a money pit right now, as one could say, and they still have to pay a lot of guys coming up with big contracts to CeeDee Lamb and Micah Parsons, Tony Pollard. Those kinds of guys are going to get deals. Um, even uh, the cornerback Trayvon Diggs, one of the best yeah. in the league, um, and good O line, decent O line. Um, but that is a uh, very, very interesting trade. Let's see. The Cowboys gave up their n- a fifth-round pick for him. Okay. <laughs> a fifth-round pick for Stephon Gilmore. Wow. So there have been a lot of moves so far in free agency. Obviously, you have the quarterback, Carazel. There's a lot going on. Um, we, we, can, we can talk about it uh, right away. One of the biggest things was Derek Carr. Derek Carr is going to the Saints, a team that really struggled with vertical offense. Not a lot going on there, but Derek Carr threw the fourth most vertical passes in the NFL last season, right? Got a lot of yards from those deep balls, right? So there's, there's something to be said there, especially for someone like, like 
Chris Olave, who in college was a was a deep route specialist, um, mid to deep route specialist. Yeah, he tore up Michigan State a lot, and it's it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch Derek Carr with that Saints team again. They got to they got to fix defense, but um, there's a lot to be said about that that uh, that team in the NFC South. Yep. the Saints. Chicago, 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 Chicago. Wow. <laughs> That's all I could say. Yeah. I mean, the NFC North, before when we knew, we knew what Chicago has $95 million to spend, right? And you, it was pretty evident they were going to trade the, their first pick. I didn't know they were going to get that much in return, right? I'm, obviously, for, for a first pick, you're going to get a lot. They got a lot and DJ Moore. DJ Moore solidified he's people say oh no he's a number two receiver no he is a solid number one number one receiver in the nfl he's shown it since his rookie season right he he has played with horrible quarterbacks just (laughs) terrible garbage hot garbage right justin fields will be his best quarterback by far and people say well justin fields doesn't have an arm go watch his ohio state highlights right and i get it's college ball to step slower but even then even then it was a completely different system he's running a ton right now because his o-line is Horrible. It was horrible last season. It's more survival versus. Yeah. It was like, hey, tactical. Can, yeah. Can I don't want to turn into Tua and get hurt all the time, right? <laughs> so I'm going to run for my life, and that's what he did. Mm. He can throw the deep ball, and we we saw it last season, multiple points. He can throw the ball. I'm super excited about that. I'm really excited. Chicago also made some huge moves in free agency. Not only did they trade for those picks and Justin Fields. Or not Justin Fields and DJ Moore, and they're going to use those picks to number one protect Justin Fields and number two maybe give him some more playmakers. How about that defense? Well, they signed some guys and they made some very very good signs. Uh, who they they signed Nate Davis, two guys from Tennessee. They signed Nate. They signed Nate Davis, um, offensive guard, I believe. He is a he's I think he's I would say he's just a, a, an above average guard in the NFL. They got a good contract for him. That is huge for the Bears because they could not protect Justin Fields to save to save their own lives last year. It was horrible. Even the Lions, the Lions killed them. And again, the Lions did better as the year went on, rushing the quarterback. But yeah, like Nate Davis, huge improvement for the Bears. Just huge. They signed two linebackers. Tremaine Edmonds is one of them. Tremaine Edmonds had a very good. Solid season for the last two seasons. Um, three seasons, really. He's made two Pro Bowls in his career, and he's played five years in the NFL. He's only 24 years old. Yeah. Only 24 years old. That's he's played. Insane. He's had five years of experience, and he's only 24. That is huge. That means we need to be in the NFL right now. <laughs> he got paid big money, though. He got paid a lot of money. Four years for $72 million, and of that $72 million, $50 million is guaranteed. Jesus. That is big time for Tremaine Edmonds, so good for him. Huh. Well, a lot of Bears stuff and a lot of Bears stuff to come. Yep. Right? There's a lot of Bears stuff coming out right now and a lot to come. Really good for them. We could stick with the Bears. Like TJ Edwards is a good signing, too. They signed a D-end from the at Walker from the, the, um, from the Titans as well. But we're going to move on. Let's move on to the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs replaced an all-pro O-lineman with a young O-lineman that could soon be an all-pro with Jawan Taylor. Jawan Taylor, I thought, was going to be a cornerstone piece on that offensive line in Jacksonville. He was their best O-lineman. He's young. He's a good player. Again, they gave up four years, $80 million for him, $20 million guaranteed. That is a lot of money. But Jawan Taylor, he's played well. He has absolutely played well. And that that's going to be fun to watch. Uh, he didn't – last season he had a very impressive season. Didn't give up – I think he gave up one sack, not too many pressures, not too many hits on the quarterback. He did a good job, right? Jimmy Garoppolo, we want to continue with the quarterback carousel? To the Raiders, right? Uh, it's, it's maybe there'll be less turnovers. That'll be nice for Las Vegas, but Las Vegas is in such a weird situation right now. Anyway, um, Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, maybe, right? They just signed Lazard, maybe. Um, it, I, it, I think it probably will happen. It probably will happen. So that would make that team 
it, it would it would put them up to the next level. Like, I'm very interested to see whether or not the Jets can compete for the AFC and even the Super Bowl next season. They got a young defense and even a young offense. They're still building an O-line there. But Aaron Rodgers, with his ability to escape the pocket even and get outside, extend the play, and throw the ball, and his awareness, uh, his leadership, playmaking ability, he, yeah. he may be a little bit of a character, but he, he is a good leader on the football field. Okay. There's a lot more. The Lions made some big signings, but we can if we need to, we can get to it yeah, we'll, at a different time. Yeah, we'll we'll dive further into it next week. Okay. Um, do we want to hit that how deep is your love? Yeah, we'll do it real, real quick. quick. Um do you want to start? I I will start. I will start. Michigan State. Where do I start? They took a tough loss. Really tough loss to Ohio State. A loss that honestly I did not see coming. They and in in a way they kind of needed that this was a reality check for them. They shot horrible. They shot really really bad against not a good Ohio, just a team that's not any good Ohio State. I was extremely surprised. Extremely surprised. And I know Tom Izzo was he said in this press conference post game, sorry, post game interview um post game press conference, I don't know, that that um, that he believed that this Michigan State team had a great opportunity to win the Big Ten championship, and he's right. They were playing their best basketball at the end of the season. They were playing really well, and it just I, the the house of cards fell, and you got to build it back up with brick, right? You got to you have yep. solid foundations. Let's just build it back up. They have to remember what they were doing, right? They were doing everything right. Defense was very mid. But at the beginning of the season, the defense is one of the best in the country. You've got to find a way to put that together. Non-conference play, maybe it's going to get different from here on out. The offense has got to continue to play the way it's playing. They've got to play with pace and tempo a little bit. That Again, I talked about how that's the ace up their sleeve Yep, is the tempo, is the transition ball. Teams haven't seen it all season. They're going to see it. Um, again, three-pointers have to fall. This was the third-best three-point shooting team in the nation. And they got to get back and defend. Th- at the beginning of the year, they weren't getting out-rebounded. Even they, they, they did well against Shibwe. Right now, they are getting out-rebounded. And they have got to box out. Right, Play good defense, limit teams to one shot, and get on the other side. Don't turn the ball over. That's the keys to success for Michigan State. And make your shots, obviously. Yep. I'm excited so. to experience that game with you on Friday in Columbus. It's going to be a lot of fun. Should be good. Yep. Sparty party. And hopefully that party can continue to next week when we can talk about them again, maybe in the Sweet 16. Yep. That'd be really cool. If they're not, then How Deep Is Your Love will be a little sad. Yeah. But As for the Xavier Musketeers, they check in as a, as a three seed, which I thought they were getting a four for sure, but happy to get a three seed. This is probably one of – it depends on which way you look at it. Um, their, their region is pretty tough with – Texas, Texas A&M, Houston, pretty much all the Texas teams in one region. Um, but Xavier, they're playing some of their best basketball. I know they had a letdown a little bit against Marquette in the Big East Championship game. But for the most part, they've been playing some of their best basketball, their most complete basketball in the last couple of weeks. Um, Sule Boom and Colby Jones are playing at a really high level. Desmond Claude has been huge off the bench for them. And with a team that doesn't have a ton of depth, um, he's been absolutely huge. I, in my prediction for Xavier, I think they're going to make it to the second weekend and lose in the Sweet 16 to Texas. That's mm-hmm. kind of how I see it. I could see them going further, but I do think they're going to at least make it to the Sweet 16. Um, obviously, this is more dependent on how well Sule Boom and Colby Jones play. In the games that they have lost this season, especially some of the games that they maybe want to have back, um, Boom and Colby Jones haven't played well together. A couple of those games, Boom played really well and Colby didn't, or vice versa. Um, Xavier's biggest strength is how well they can shoot the ball and how well they can play on offense. Defensively, they've been kind of all over the place this year. They've been playing better defense since Zach Fremantle went down with injury. Um, they've moved up almost 30 spots in the Ken Palm adjusted defense rankings, which is a pretty huge jump and only like a few weeks um 
But for Xavier, similar to Michigan State, turnovers have been their Achilles heel at times. Um, if they can take care of the ball pretty well and stay out of foul trouble and not have to test their bench as much, I think Xavier is going to make it as far as their offense allows them to. Um, but I'm in, I'm just super excited for to watch them play in the NCAA tournament. It's been five years, which is way too long for this type of program to be out of the NCAA tournament. But this whole past year has been a roller coaster from firing steel, um, rehiring a former coach, and now making it as a three seed in the NCAA tournament is pretty cool. Um, vibes around campus are pretty good. Excitement is here. And I'm just, again, thrilled to have them back in the tournament. And hopefully they can win as many games as possible. Yep. That's kind of the hope. Me, and that's what I'm hoping to. One yep. game at a time, Izzo. You've been to 25 straight. Yeah, which you know is, how to coach. It's a heck of coach. Enough. And as I said before, the quote that I'm going to keep: the house is the house of cards has fallen. <laughs> Let's build it back up with brick. Yeah. Inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, well, on that note, thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the Quick Question Podcast. It's great hanging out with you guys. Um, we will be back next week to discuss the first round games of the NCAA or first weekend games, NCAA tournament, more NFL free agency. Uh, maybe Aaron Rodgers will finally decide where the heck he's going. And Um, we're going to have David on next week. Yeah. We can talk more NFL draft. He's right Um, around the corner. Opening day is almost here. A lot going on on. in the sports world, but thank you guys for joining us for our producer, Zeke and my co-host Matt Jaffe and myself, Gabe Ryan. Thank you guys for joining us, and we will see you next week. So long. <laughs>